You're listening to Empress Conversations Podcast with your host, Maggie Peary. Conversations with Maggie. Join us next time on the next episode of Empress Conversations with Maggie. To learn more about guests or for more information on working with Maggie, go to www.empressconversationswithmaggie/get-started. Hello and welcome to another episode of Empress Conversations with Maggie. Today my guest is Karen Grill. Karen is a business coach and certified persuasion strategist. Having started her first online business over 15 years ago, she knows the struggles of entrepreneurs and has learned that strategies for creating a successful business. She loves helping business owners manage their time, overcome their tech issues, create systems and strategies to work less and earn more so that they can run the business they love while still having time for their families and themselves. Karen, welcome. Thank you so much, Maggie. I'm so happy to be here. Glad to have you. Karen, tell us your story. How did you get started and your path to where you are today? So, of course, as many women, I was in a career for a while, and then I had some children, and my husband actually was laid off one day, and so I needed to go back to work. And so I really started down the path of realizing that I could work from home. So it's just the very beginnings, but I also struggled a lot. Mm. I didn't know how to manage my children and this business, and so I really went down the path of looking about productivity and time management. But what I found was so much of it when I read the blogs and the books, and I even took some courses is mostly they were run by men who didn't really understand my life. They didn't have responsibility of managing their children. And so I realized that their solutions weren't really working for me and went down to try to find solutions that did. And as I started to do that, you know, other women were coming to me and asking me, well, how are you doing this virtual part-time business? And I kind of realized that, wow, I could actually be helping other women as my business. And so that's where I went down the path of coaching and became a business coach to help other women. That is fantastic. I love the fact that you've niched down to where you're just a persuasion strategist. That is something until I, you know, we connected, I was like, oh my goodness, that's different. So how did you hone into that area specifically? Sure. Well, I had worked many years with a lot of different clients with businesses. And one of the things they have the biggest problem with is sales. And part of that is like writing copy and their messaging. And so I saw this opportunity for the certification program in persuasion strategy, and I thought that would be great to be able to help my clients even better and myself as well. And so that was just a fascinating time to learn about that. And now I love helping my clients kind of both with the business and the persuasion strategy part. That's awesome. Well, Karen, going back to tech issues, how does that work with the fact that now we have chat GPT and there are all these uh, resources in terms of technology and AI, in terms of copywriting, in terms of getting all of that, but you have the human element. How are you working that out with clients versus, you know, that element now being resource being available for people with tech? Yeah, I think the AI is amazing and it can really, I think, kind of jumpstart us. I think it's really good for brainstorming. Like if you're looking for some ideas, like a list of topics or even maybe an outline, 
But again, we all need to have our own kind of personal brand, our own way of speaking, our own language. And so the chat GBT, unless you train it really well with some really great prompts, it really can't give you that. And so I think it's great to use it, like I said, kind of for the brainstorming part, but then you really taking that and making your own, using the language the way you talk, really making sure that you convey to your ideal clients the language that they need to hear, right? We're all about taking our message from our market, not from our minds. A lot of times we think we know what our clients, how they describe their problems, and actually that we're wrong most of the time. So it's really listening to our clients. And ChatGPT can't do that yet. Yes. So we need to take that information, but then really make it our own with the understanding of our target audience. Excellent point. Excellent point. Now let's go there because I, I really want to dive deeper in the fact that you said the challenge between women and sales. There are some women who are just sharks, born sharks, can get out there, kill the game when it comes to sales. Whereas there's some where that is the biggest challenge ever. And in order to have a successful business, you need to make sales. So how are you bridging that gap with your clients? So most of my clients that come to me are really experts in whatever field they're in, right? So they know their material backwards and forwards, mm. but they never really had to put themselves out there. A lot of them came from a corporate environment where that was already all done for them. Mm -hmm. So it's really helping them find the best way to sell for them. I think everyone has their own style of what they're comfortable with. We all kind of have our kind of balance of where we feel comfortable. Some people can do things more uh, aggressively and some people can't, they're kind of shyer. And so we have to find our own lane and the way that works best for us. And so it's really helping them find that sales kind of voice inside and making them realize that really selling a serving, right? So if you want to serve these people, if you really care about your ideal clients and those people and you want to help them and you know you can help them with your offer or service, you actually really need to put that out there so that you can help them. Selling is serving. Oh, what a simple little quote. I will have to use that. That is perfect, Karen. Um, in terms of sales, there's different type of sales, obviously, but the thing that I love about the whole sales program is getting to that yes. It's such a high when you get to that yes, we'll set the agreement over, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's just like, oh, the angels opened up heavens and it's just wonderful. But getting from point A, the very first no, it's such a deflating experience. And until you get to that level where you you can deal with that and move on and move on and move on, it's very intimidating. So what is your, as a coach, how would you talk to someone who may be an introvert and that's not their thing? So I think there's two approaches. So one approach is you kind of try to pre-sell people with your content. So if you have a great content marketing strategy and kind of showcasing the way you work with people and how you, you know, the successes that you've had with clients, a lot of people will come to you. And so I think there's a different energy and a different strategy, right? They're almost already pre-sold. It's really just you laying out the specific deals of your program. So that's a much easier sell, I think, so that I try to work, especially with those people who are a little afraid of sales, to kind of do that first. But also, I think it's practice. Like we all get better at sales conversations and calls. So I do a lot of role playing. I have some of my group programs where they role play together because, again, it's just kind of the repetitions. Like you get used to um, when someone says no, and you can have follow up questions. But you can also learn how to gracefully accept that someone is not in the right place for you. That's not the right time for them. 
and be able to be okay with that. Um, and so we kind of work on those different things and skills so that they feel better. We're all going to get here knows. I mean, that's just the way businesses run. So it's not letting those no kind of deflate you, deflate you, but really helping you take, okay, this one said no. There's a couple of things I think I can do better. And taking that learning, because really a no is just more data. It's more information, a learning for you to be able to take to your next sales conversation. Excellent. And of course, the magic ingredient is confidence, right? A little bit of that in there as well always makes the, the end results awesome. Much better. <laughs> So Karen, how did you serve 15 years? I mean, I applaud you. That is really congratulations. 2020 came. I always ask this question. How did you survive in your business? What strategies did you implement? So I felt that I was positioned already because I was already an online business, right? Like I didn't have local things or in person. And so for me, it was a continuation. Most of my clients just continued. I will say there was definitely a time period where I think people didn't know what was going to happen. So they weren't really buying or they weren't really investing in themselves at that time. But after we kind of realized that this was going to be a little bit longer and kind of work was changing, that's when I saw kind of an uptick in people saying, wait, you know, I think there's different ways that I might be able to work that they never considered previously, right? So um, I definitely saw more people wanting to reaching out and wanting to learn more about how can they work with this online business? What does that mean? And what would that look like for their lives? That's awesome. And the beautiful thing is that this is here to stay working from home is like, you know, really, I have a colleague who was like, uh, after COVID, I'm not going back into the office. I don't do in-person meetings. I'm strictly Zoom. And I was like, hey, if it works for you, good for you. Um, And that's the way that we're going to be moving forward, right? There's that whole work-life balance. That's the danger, though, that I think in working from home is there is no definitive five o'clock, shut it down, go home. You could be on the online until 11 o'clock at night. And that balance is the challenge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I help the clients with, because it is a huge shift, especially if you're used to going to work and you'd come home. Um, So we really talk about things like having office hours. If you can have a separate room that you can close the door and not go in. Um, I have a personal phone and a business phone. And on the weekends, I lock my business phone in my office so that I don't, I'm not tempted to reach for that. So there's a lot of different strategies I think you can do, but it is being conscious about how you're working at home and then stopping so you have time for yourself or your family or friends, whatever that is. Very good point. Very good point. So Karen, tell us, like, what is the one thing that you find a lot of women come to you and uh, struggle with? Mm -hmm. So I think one of the things is they're not used to kind of marketing themselves or marketing their offer, right? They just think if I just tell them the facts, like I can help them do this from, you know, and they think that people will buy. And that's unfortunately not the case. I mean, there's so many options out there. There's so many distractions, right? So we have to really learn what is the thing that would really resonate with our ideal clients. And so it's really getting to know them. You need to talk with them. And I recommend writing down like word for word, how they describe their problem. Because if you can use that language and reflect that back to them, they'll say something like, oh my gosh, Karen, it's like you're in my head because I really can understand my clients because I've listened to them so carefully. And so it's really helping them learn these skills about listening, um, using that marketing language that they need, you know, using some persuasion as we talk about. So it's not just the facts. That's not going to get people to buy. It's really showing them how you can take them from point A to point B, like that transformation. What's their life going to be like after you work with them and really showcasing that to your clients. Mm. 
You know, unfortunately, uh, my, there is something that happens between someone opening up their wallet, getting that credit card, putting in those digits and hitting that buy button, because there's a level of trust. You don't just, most people don't just go to a website unless it's Amazon and just buy with something that you, you don't know them. You don't know what it is. There has to be a level. And that's why we have to see something over and over again, get that sense of trust, get that sense of connection. So until that happens, it's not as easy to get someone to put their credit card information and hit that buy button. There is work involved. And that's the part where I think a lot of people, People. And sadly, the flip side of online business is that people, the whole marketing thing have made it, oh, make 50K in, in 30 days and make, you know, six figures in six months. That's not necessarily always the case. And so when you are dealing with that, and I saw a lot of people actually go back into corporate America after realizing this stuff is hard, or some people wanted to be content creators and then realized after 30 days, it's not as easy to get a thousand you know, followers on YouTube or whatever it is. It's a lot of work involved. Do you find that to be true with your clients? For sure. I think a lot of people come in and because of those kinds of messages, they see that it's really easy. Like I just put up my website and people will know to come to me, which I wish that was true, but that's just not the case. And if it was, then everyone would do it, right? It's not that easy. Um, You have to kind of think of it as a marathon, right? And I always recommend that people start small. Like I think people think like, I'm going to post every day, you know, every day of the week. And then when they start doing it, they do it for like a week or two and then they stop. I'm like, you're better off doing once a week, something that you can maintain for like 52 weeks. You can always add. It's just harder if you subtract or you stop because the algorithms want to know that you're there and you're showcasing. down, right? And so it's really about, okay, what's the smallest increment that I can commit to long-term and start there. And then as you get going, as you kind of figure out some systems for yourself in terms of content creation and messaging and putting yourself out there, it becomes easier and easier and you can repurpose things that you have. It's just that beginning time period is really challenging. And so if you can kind of get through that and then start to see, oh, actually this is getting easier and people are starting to come to me now, as opposed to me always kind of reaching out. That's when I think they start to have the the light uh, switch flip on for them and say, oh, I can do this. But there's a lot of work involved. And I think that's unfortunately the biggest kind of myth out there that you just put up a website, you open a Facebook page and you'll get clients. That's just not true. It doesn't happen like that. It doesn't. Karen, who would be your ideal client for what you do working with uh, your coach? Mm-hmm. But what? who are your ideal clients? Sure. So I typically work with a lot of coaches because I'm a coach as well, but coaches, consultants, and service providers. So people who do services, whether it's accountants and things like that, because um, there's a certain way, especially for online business, to kind of present your offers. And I think that's what a lot of those people are missing. Again, like a lot of coaches will just say, well, you get 10 calls and you know that, but they don't really talk about what's in it for the the ideal client, right? And so it's really working with them to make sure their offer is enticing and and compelling for those uh, target audiences. That's awesome. Karen, what was the aha moment for you when you left corporate America and said, this is it, I can't take this anymore, I'm going to go a different path? What was that moment to where you made the decision to become a coach and answer this calling in your life? Right. So first it was, um, I had been working like, you know, 68 hours a week. I was in international development, so I would travel a lot. 
and I wanted to have kids and I just realized this isn't compatible. And so I stopped and had my kids. But after a while, um, you know, I had a lot of education, I have a master's and I was like, there's a lot that I think I can contribute. And so that's when I kind of went down the path and I started my own first online business. Um, I actually worked with patent and trademark attorneys. And so that kind of got me the taste of, wow, I can do this. And I had clients all over. This is amazing. Um, but that's when I kind of had that issue with kind of productivity and time management. And I really like helping, you know, other women and other business owners kind of improve their business after all the learnings that I had because when I started, there really weren't the software and tools available. Like I had to hand code my website HTML. It was horrible. I mean, just so different back then. So I'm so grateful for all the technology that really allows so many more people to be able to be online and have a business, even if it's a side hustle, whatever that is. If you're in corporate America, this is the perfect time to start to build your personal brand. Absolutely. Don't know what's going to happen. So you can always have that on the side so that if anything happens, you already have a head start of anyone else who's starting from zero. Totally agree with that. You, at least there's always a plan B or backup plan you can always resort to because nothing is, is uh, what's the word I'm looking for, concrete anymore. Uh, so you always want to make sure you have a plan B. Goodness me. With that being said, Karen, um, work-life balance and just stopping, there's, uh, stopping your career and deciding this is what I want. This is a priority for me. I want a family. And you were able to make that pivot. With work-life balance, there's only 24 hours in the day. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? Beyonce has the same 24 hours that I do, but it's just never enough. And being a woman, multitasking is the worst I discover for me anyway. I cannot multitask because there's so many books on time management and you just literally set the list, set the priority, check them off, get it done because it's such a constant struggle having to juggle. What are your thoughts on that with work-life management, time management, getting everything together, just being a woman and trying to handle life? And you got to work out too on top of all of that. (laughs) Right. Like I definitely kind of burnt out early on because I was trying to do all these things and I was not taking care of myself. So I learned the hard way that it's so important to carve out. I mean, even if it's like a half an hour a day, just for yourself to like, I just wanted to sit in silence because with little children, it's so busy and so chaotic. Um, So I think it's so important for women to really figure out, okay, what are my goals for both personal, but also for business and see how you can figure out a schedule that works for that. And I'm really big on like I journal every morning. And when my kids were little, it was such an issue because as soon as like my feet hit the floor, they'd be running and being like, mom, mom, where's this? And so I realized I found a ninja way. I just had my journal right next to my bed. I wouldn't even get out of bed. And I would just write for five minutes before I got out of bed. That was enough for me to kind of set my day, kind of set me in the right framework for the day. And I really have come down to the realization that time management is really you management, right? Because The time keeps clicking, uh, going, whether we um, realize it or not. And so it's really figuring out, okay, what are the priorities for me? And I think women often skip the self-care priorities. So whether that's having your husband help out or a partner help out or having a babysitter, even for an hour, like that can be enough to kind of get you back where you need to be. Um, so, you know, bake that into your schedule right from the beginning. Don't, don't think, oh, I'll do that later. I want, you have to schedule it. Like if it's not in my schedule, it doesn't happen. And so that's why it's so important to really, even visually, I think for our brains to see that, okay, we have this a lot of time for us, whether you want to read or go for a walk, um, something for you. And then again, for your business, we need to make sure that, um, 
we have a business that fits our life. I'm all about that. It's not the other way around. We kind of have a life that fits our business. We want to have design our business that fits our life. So you need to figure out how many hours you have that you can dedicate for your business before you start. It's not we do our business on what's left over for us, right? So you have to be really intentional about how you use your time for your business. And even if it's less that you can work and maybe less clients you can take, if you're healthier and you'll be able to be present for your family and friends, I think that's a more rich lifestyle than if you had more money working with more clients. Agreed. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. So Karen, um, with everything that you have said, what right now in the coaching industry, in your industry, what do you see that is coming up within, you know, is there any industry changes or updates or anything that you can kind of give us a little tip on what might be coming? Yeah, so I think there's an interesting shift. I mean, in the past, and this was me as well, we did kind of long-term coaching programs. So I'd have a 12-month program or a six-month program. And I see coaches and I think maybe even the clients wanting to have maybe shorter-term engagements. And so it's it's a little bit of a struggle as a coach to say, okay, what can I help them accomplish in this time? In a shorter amount of time, there's less you can potentially accomplish. Or it's otherwise a more focused program, a very kind of narrow and short-term program. Um, So that's what I see kind of having these shorter-term programs and maybe some more courses coming as well. Um, And I think that's because of the time element um, that people want to get, you know, results fast, but they also don't have the time to commit like they maybe did previously. So that's a difference, I think, in the industry that I'm seeing. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Besides just um, those kind of uh, changes that are coming up, in terms of like membership, you did mention about groups and um, things that you do with your uh, with your business. What would you recommend in terms of like everyone wants to develop a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group or all, all of these other type of groups that are available? Would you what what tips would you have for someone trying to build a community around their business? I mean, I think it's so important to have a community. Again, that's why um, it's so nice to if you have content that's going out so people can see you because you were right and that people have to see you many times before they really trust you and are willing to maybe potentially think about working with you. I will say that, you know, these groups uh, take quite a bit of time to manage. And so you need to make sure you're factoring that in. Like a lot of people just open up a Facebook group and don't realize the amount of time you need to commit to that. And so I think it's being really intentional about, okay, if I open this Facebook group, you know, how much time is that going to take in terms of putting the content? It's also managing it um, in terms of new people coming in, maybe people leaving. So there's a lot with that. Um, That's a different time that I help people maybe think about having um, someone outsource for that. So having a virtual assistant come in to help you with that, because it just takes up so much of your time. And it's not a direct ROI for your business, right? So of course, building the community is important, but it's not like you're getting dollars for that from the beginning. So that's why I think it's helpful if you can have a virtual assistant, maybe managing that so you can really go and really work with your clients. So I just think if you go in knowing that it's not just easy, you just don't open it and that's it. You have to manage it and spend time creating content and putting posts and scheduling it and then responding to comments and you know, hopefully starting conversations with people. Um, it takes more time than I think people realize. So that's uh, one thing for them to think about. Everything that you have just said is 40 hours a week. And literally all of that to be done well is a full-time job. You literally could be spending 40 hours a week doing just that. Between planning the content, getting it out, creating the content, even with a virtual assistant. And that's where you have to realize, am I going to spend my time doing this stuff or am I going to spend my time 
working towards that X amount worth of uh, contract that you need to sustain all the things that you keep doing. So it's 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 such a juggling act, I guess, is what I'm trying to say here. Goodness me. So Karen, with the, uh, what ever since 2020 and COVID, the explosion of TikTok since that started, and they've also pivoted so much, like right now between uh, Instagram and TikTok, obviously the kids were on TikTok, adults took over when uh, COVID hit, and it seems like there's so many people on TikTok. You literally could find yourself like stuck on your phone, just watching videos. How can people leverage the benefits of, which they've now increases three minutes, I believe, um, that you can have, you know, a video and 10 minutes on IG, I believe, uh, or 60 minutes. Well, there's different levels. But what? how could people leverage those uh, resources with Instagram and TikTok? Well, first of all, I think in overall, you need to have a content marketing strategies because any piece of content that I create, I want to be able to use it on a variety of platforms and in a variety of different ways. So if I create, let's say a video for TikTok or Instagram, I want to make sure I transcribe it. I can make that into a blog post. I can make it into several different social media posts, right? So anytime I take the time out to create content, you want to use it in a variety of ways. Um, I think TikTok is um, really good for certain people and certain people who have that who can do videos really easily and have a certain personality. I think it works really well for them. But again, you can't just be putting out videos. You really have to think about, okay, what is it my you know, target audience wants to hear? And are there things that series of maybe videos I can do that leads them to my offer? Like some people just put out content with no kind of call to action, with no way to lead them to working with you. And so that kind of defeats the purpose. So really thinking about, again, that strategy is so important to figure out, okay, if I do these videos, let's say on email marketing or something, I want to lead them to my course that talks about email marketing, right? So it's really thinking about what's the end game for this series, right? And not just putting out kind of random TikToks, because I don't think that that in a business sense will get you to where you want to go. Maybe you get visibility, maybe you get some reach with that, but you're not really showing people that you can actually work with them. You can actually help them. So really thinking about, okay, what do I want to lead them to? Very good point. And uh, also to add on that content could be a blog article, you could create a list and use that as a freebie. There's so much that could be added in with that uh, content that's created. When I think of social media, how perhaps we started with like MySpace and there was Periscope and the list is endless, over 200 different types of uh, channels that you can use for social media. And it continues to grow by the day. So what would you, and I think we both mentioned it where either sticking with one or two that you know, like the back of your hand or your audiences, and you truly can utilize that to your advantage is definitely the way to go. Any other to add on? Yeah, I was just going to say that it's really important for you to know where your clients are. So some people are on TikTok, but their clients aren't there. So for a business owner, that doesn't make sense, right? So really figure out, okay, where are my clients hanging out? where would they potentially be able to see my content the most? So some people, LinkedIn is a great one. If you're a business owner, right? There's a lot of business owners there and it's they're really there um, to make those connections in the networking specifically for business. Whereas like Facebook could be both personal and business. So you really need to figure out where are my clients and where would they really want to read about business type information? So mm-hmm. once you understand that, then yeah, focus on one to two platforms to start with. So you really kind of get your strategy for the content. 
how you're putting that content out. You kind of see what resonates the best. Look at your data, your analytics, and your numbers to find out what's working the best and do more of that. And then once you have the one or two, then I think you can kind of expand because it's really just about little tweaks depending on the platform to your main content. So I think that's the way, you know, some people try to do everything right at once. I would suggest one to two to start. And then as you feel like you've kind of mastered those or you figured those out and you figured out your content system, then you can easily kind of expand that to more platforms. Awesome. Karen, um, our listening and viewing audience, I am based in Atlanta, you are in Washington, D.C., and all over the world, people listening in. So how can people find you, work with you? What is the process? And tell them a little bit more about how you can elevate their business. Sure. So I have my website, karengirl.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, That's the place where I hang out the most right now. Um, But I think the best way is I really like to audit people. So people will come to me and say, Karen, my, you know, sales page isn't converting or my lead magnet isn't converting, whatever that is. I typically start with an audit because a lot of times people think, oh, Karen, I've, you know, talked about my offer everywhere. And when I look, they've talked about it a couple of times here and there, right? That's really not enough. So we kind of audit what they have so that we can see, okay, where are the gaps? What's not working? And then figure out, okay, how can we kind of fill those gaps? Really make sure that they have a free flowing funnel so that people are coming from the beginning and actually going to the end and then hiring them for that end result. So that's typically how I work with clients. um, And it's a really fun process. That is, that is. Now you hit the spot because you just mentioned funnels. I have seen some fantastic funnels online and I've seen some not so great funnels on the line. So talk to us about how, what that is and how people can create them working with you and the big picture here. So it's funny because a lot of people come to me and say they don't have a funnel, but when I look, they actually have have a funnel the funnel, right? Yep. And so um, we just really go and look and see what's working for them and not. And it's so fun to build the funnel because um, it's really starting with really having that irresistible offer. And that Mm -hmm. makes the funnel really easy to build. Like once you really have a solid offer that's selling and you know, it really can get results for people. It's easy to kind of build that funnel out. So just starting with something, you know, some content then going out, maybe you have a lead magnet of some kind, maybe you have a workshop or a webinar, and then that leads to your offer. So it's actually a fun process. And once they really have that offer, they feel really confident, I think. And so then it's easy. They feel good about building out that funnel. Excellent segue too, because you mentioned an offer. Tell us about how our listening audience can go to Karen Grill, G-R-I-L-L dot com. And if you type in forward slash Maggie, M-A-G-G-I-E. So that's Karen Grill dot com forward slash Maggie. Tell them what they can get. Sure. Well, I see a lot of mistakes that people create maybe a lead magnet of some kind of PDF or checklist and they like post about it once. Right. And they're like, Karen, I'm not getting any people to sign up, but I'm like, you have to post it everywhere. You have to be your biggest promoter. Right. So I have a lead magnet that talks about 43 places that you can actually put your lead magnet to make sure you're spreading it far and wide. So you can get the people that can actually read it and they start then to be on your email list. You can kind of nurture them, hopefully to become your client. Sign up for that um, to figure out all the places that you can put your lead magnet. Okay, perfect. That's such an amazing offer because that is a good way for someone to get information about the what is the best place. And 43, that's a big list. So thank you for our listening audience who can grab that on Karen's website um, and viewing audience. I'll be sure to put that URL in the show notes as well. Any last parting words, Karen, before we end our episode for today? 
Sure. I see a lot of um, business owners get a little discouraged when things aren't quite going their way. And I think the most important thing is they get so distracted with there's so many offers, there's so many people talking and gurus talking about different things. I think it's so important to go back to basics, start really simple, go back to really listening to your audience, understanding them. And then from there, it gets really easier and easier. So don't be discouraged. Just go back to basics, talk to some people that could potentially be your clients to really understand the language they use so that you can really have that persuasive offer that then will get you the clients you want. That is awesome. Again, Karen Grill, thank you so much. You are such a joy to talk to. I really appreciate your time today. And uh, we look forward to seeing more from you, Karen. Thank you. Thanks so much, Maggie. It was so fun to be here with you today. Likewise. Thank you. You're listening to Empress Conversations Podcast with your host, Maggie Peary. Conversations with Maggie. Join us next time on the next episode of Impress Conversations with Maggie. To learn more about guests or for more information on working with Maggie, go to www.impressconversationswithmaggie slash get hyphen started.